guy who does our videos has been doing our videos for about six years now. I never watched the videos. That video was long, and it did not motivate me to preach at all. So I'm going to be cussing him out this week. Or I can just shut up and love. How about that? Man, love is one of those words that is just so powerful. I mean, really, there is no more powerful word than the word love. I mean, when you're passionate about something, when you have energy about something, when you have connection with something, and you look at that something or someone, and you say, I love you, it's just powerful. We live in a world that is craving love. But on the other hand, love is a complicated word. Because as much passion as you say, when you look somebody in the face and you tell them that you love them, that is the exact same word you use when you have an awesome piece of pizza. And you say, man, I love this pizza. So it can be so intense or it can be so casual. We're going to be talking about that intense type of love throughout this series. We were created to love. We were made to love. You cannot read this book and not see a love story. From Genesis to Revelation, it's a love story of a God who loved us so much that he paid the ultimate sacrifice for us to spend eternity with him. It's a love story of God who loves us, and that's powerful. I mean, in the Old Testament, it's a story that the one who loves us is coming. The first four chapters of the New Testament, it's a love story of the one who loves us is here and paying the price for our sin. The rest of the New Testament is a love story of the one who paid the price for our sin is coming again one day to take us home. It's a love story. It's a story of a perfect God loving imperfect people. And it's hard for us to understand that type of love because the reality is our love comes with conditions. Our love comes with strings. Most of the time, we love somebody because they first loved us. But it's not that way with God. When we were unlovable, God loved us. Let me rephrase that. Not when you were in lovable, unlovable. Today, when you're unlovable, God loves you. God doesn't just love you on Sunday when you are faking it. He loves you on Sunday afternoon when you and your spouse get back in the car and continue the fight you had on your way to church. He loves you when you're sitting in front of the television and you're cussing your favorite football team. I heard today that the bye, the Falcons are on a bye week, and I heard the bye week was a 14-point favorite against the Falcons today. You know. 
Like when you're driving to Chatsworth, Georgia on Saturday night. Has anybody been to Chatsworth, Georgia? Nobody goes there by accident. And you're riding with Bubba, and he's watching the Georgia-Florida game on his phone, and he's the biggest Florida Gator fan ever, and he's saying words that I didn't know existed, cussing the Florida Gators. God still loves him. The Bible does say God loves fools. The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, the most famous scripture in all the Bible, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God is love. He loves us in the midst of our muck, in the midst of our mire, in the midst of our mess-ups, in the midst of our screw-ups, in the midst of us letting each other and him down on a daily basis. God loves us. And that's hard for us because human Nature, naturally speaking, we don't comprehend that. But God doesn't operate in the natural. He operates in the supernatural. God is a mystery, and that's what makes him God. If you understood God, and you understood every aspect of God, he wouldn't be much of a God. So it's hard for us to comprehend this type of love. God's ways are higher than our ways. His love is higher than our love. God loves, don't miss this, God loves messy people. God loves screwed up people. God loves those who don't have it all together. He's a God of love. He's obsessed, dare I say, with messy people. Even messy people who stay messy. God loves them. God is love. And Jesus, before returning to heaven, left us with a mission to carry out that love. The Bible says, again, one of the most famous scriptures in all the Bible. The Bible says in Mark 16, 15, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. You say, what is the gospel? The gospel is real simple. It's God's love. He said, I'm about to return to heaven. I'm going to prepare a place for you. When the time's right, I'll come for you. But while you're here, i got a mission for you. And that's for you to go out and preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the love of God, to everybody that you come in contact with. And that word preach a lot of times throws us because it doesn't mean standing up on a stage and necessarily preaching. It just simply means go out and live, go out and tell, go out and make it clear to everybody that God is love. That's our mission. That's our responsibility. We hate that word, responsibility. I hate that word, responsibility. Therefore, I assume you hate that word, responsibility, because I don't want to be very responsible for things. But we have a responsibility. There's a reason God left us here. And God left us here to go out and carry out that mission. And it's not a small mission. He gave us what is called the Great Commission. It's, it's the greatest mission ever given. You're to go out and let people know that I'm God and God loves them. He left us as Christ followers to go and preach the good news to everybody we come in contact with. 
Now again, let me clarify that. It doesn't mean you take the Bible and you shove it down everyone's throat. It doesn't mean you start preaching in the middle of the checkout line at Kroger. Here's the problem. The church has been so busy spewing it and done a really piss poor job living it. We love the idea of spreading the message of love. It gets amens. It gets people excited. And everybody thinks, man, he's talking about love and it's awesome. But somewhere along the way, the church has got to the point where they talk more about loving people than they actually do loving people. Matter of fact, there's a lot of things the church is known for today in our culture and I would dare say that love is not one of them. We talk about loving all people, but what we mean is we the church love you if you look like us, you act like us, you believe like us, you smell like us, you talk like us, and you vote like us. We love you if you love who we think you should love. We live in a day and time where the church, even unintentionally, I think, and maybe I'm being generous there because I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, unintentionally spreads more hate than they do love. I try not to get real political. We got an election here Tuesday locally. And even in that situation, the guy who's waving the Jesus flag is the guy attacking the most. The guy waving the Jesus flag and, and sending out the red flyers and talking about his conservative values in a race where that stuff doesn't even matter is the one attacking and not showing love. It's pitiful. Dare I say it's embarrassing. Dare I say it almost makes you embarrassed to be a Christian. I remember a year ago when they were talking about allowing you to carry open container on a four-block radius on one street in our downtown area. I literally wanted to crawl under the seats at the council meeting watching the pastors and the church go up against it. I didn't care that they were against it. It was just the way they handled themselves in being against it. It was one of the most embarrassing things I'd ever seen because there was no love involved. Man, the church has done a great job of hating. And here's what I want you to understand. I am not responsible for all the Christians in Cherokee County. Somebody said amen. I'm not responsible for how you love. But let me make this very clear to you today. And if you're a first-time guest, you're going to say, man, that seems a little bit arrogant, a little bit cocky, and I'm not trying to be a little bit arrogant, and I'm not trying to be a little bit cocky, but I literally want you to know where we stand. It's not my responsibility to make you as individuals love. But as the pastor of Action Church, I'll shut the doors of this place down tomorrow before we become a church that doesn't love. I sure don't do this for the money. Matter of fact, this, this church actually costs me quite a bit of money. I asked, someone said, man, you have so many side bills. I said, well, most of them pay for everything as a church. I always find it funny when someone gets added to the offering counting team. They're like, 
man, was the first time they do it? Like, man, was that, that a normal offering? I said, I don't know. What was it? And they'll give me a number. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty normal. That's kind of high, actually. They're like, how do we pay the bills? I said, well, I pray this prayer to God every week. Here's the deal, God. We're going to go real stupid if the electricity gets cut off. So take care of it. He just always seems to take care of it. But it would free up a lot of time in my schedule if we shut it down. But I believe in the mission of this church. I believe in the vision of this church. I believe in the action of Action Church. As long as the action of Action Church is, we're going to love people right where they are. That means we're going to love them in their muck, in their mire. We're going to love them through their hurts and their habits and their hang-ups. That means we're going to love the unlovable. We're going to love those who maybe don't deserve our love. We are going to love people because I believe with everything that is in me and I'm smoking what I'm selling when it comes to this, we're called to love. And it's not always easy to love. And let me clarify something to you. Just because you love someone doesn't mean you necessarily have to like someone. And just because you love someone doesn't mean you can't have boundaries with someone, but we're called to love. And we will always be, as long as I'm the pastor of this church, and in case you didn't know it, it's kind of set up where you can't get rid of me, so you're stuck with me. Hey, we're going to love. Someone asked me recently, I said, how do you get rid of the pastor? I said, you quit coming to church. What? Well, don't you vote or don't you have an option? You just quit coming. So the church never votes on anything? I said, we vote every Sunday. Oh, what? I said, yeah, people vote whether they come or not, and the day no one shows up, we'll quit doing it. It's just simple. Don't complicate it. A lot of things we do around here, and it's complications, not one of them. We're called to love. And it's time for us as Christ followers, and it's time for the church in general to just shut up. And love. You know a newsflash for you? Everyone doesn't need to know your opinion on everything. Shut up and love. Everyone doesn't need to know your thoughts on every situation. Just shut up and love. Some of you think you got to run your trap so much in every situation and you major on such minor issues that when it comes time to love, even if you were to love, the people you're trying to love want nothing to do with you. And it's disgusting. You're hurting the cause of Christ. Now, you're going to hear me use some words I don't normally use around here because normally when I preach, I use the word we because I'm preaching at both of us. Today I'm preaching at some of you. Some of you are hindering the vision of Action Church. Some of you are literally running people off from this church because you don't know how to keep your opinions to yourself. And when you do give your opinions, you have no way to communicate them in a loving way. You're an a-hole about it. Where'd so-and-so go? You were an a-hole. What? You attacked them over something stupid. Well, they don't like it. Or maybe you need to leave. I told someone recently, I said, you've probably run 10 families off. I love you, but maybe it's time for you to leave. You're telling me I can't come back? I'm not telling you you can't come back. I'm just telling you, man, you're hurting the cause of Christ because you're an idiot. 
can't believe he would say that. Well, hang on, baby, we're just getting started. Why this message? Well, you can blame it on Christine. Christine told me the other day, she said, there's a lot of new people at the church. I said, there is. She said, you need to let them know where you stand on some things. I said, why? She said, I don't know why. Why pull one over on them? Maybe they don't want to stay after they hear where you stand. Phil always gets mad. He said, we just build the church up and you run them off. I'm not trying to run anybody off today. But I'm just letting you know, man, we're not compromising the vision. I've had the biggest church in town. I, I, I don't need that anymore. Literally, I'd rather have 50 people who are sold out to the vision to change this community and reach the unlovable than 1,000 that are just there. You don't think, listen, I'm about to get real cocky and real arrogant even more than I already am. You don't think that I know how to tune, tone down some things, tweak some things, put some things into place. There ain't a preacher in this town that's going to out-preach me. We can calm it down a little bit and draw all kinds of people. That's not the vision and the mission. I want to be a church who's living at our name and taking action in our community. I'm not interested in people who want to come and sit on their blessed assurance and suck it up like a sponge every week. And the greatest action word there is, is love. And you need to understand something about the vision of Action Church. You understand something about the mission of Action Church. Very simply this, we will do anything short of sin to reach those that are far from God. I need you to read that again. I need you to comprehend that. I need you to pull out your cell phones and take pictures of it. Because listen, that's not a catchphrase for us. We will push the envelope in any way possible if we think it will bring an outsider and make them become an insider. And if you're going to reach those that no one else is reaching, you got to be willing to do what those no one else is doing. We've got a lot of great churches in this community doing a lot of great things. The problem is they're all doing the exact same thing and they're reaching the exact same people. 26% of the people in Canton, Georgia, attend church on Sunday morning. Their issue is not Jesus. Their issue is the church doesn't connect with them. They don't feel accepted in the church. They don't feel loved in the church. They feel judged in the church. They say, well, that's not true. They, don't, they just feel like it doesn't matter if it's true or not. Perception is reality even if it's not true. The way you're perceived is the way you're received. And the people are perceiving the church as lacking something in their life that doesn't motivate them to get up on a Sunday morning and come and worship around other believers and to learn how they can take the teachings of Jesus and implement them in their life. So if you're going to do what everyone else is doing, don't be surprised when you reach what everyone else is reaching. And we didn't start this church for the 26% of people who already attend church. We started this church for the 74% that don't attend church. It's very easy to walk into action church. Especially if you visit other churches and be like, man, this place is just a little chaotic. It is. There's misspelled words on the screen. The kids' area is nuts. And, man, the place probably needs to be painted. And probably should do something about these nasty floors. And, man, I, I, like, I don't even know how this happens. So I, I literally don't, like, I don't even know how this happens. I go in the bathroom the other day. When I go to the bathroom, ladies, us men have a thing called journals. We can stand at these urinals. I know you don't have that. So I walk up to the urinal, and above the urinal in the men's room is literally a hole where someone has punched through the sheet. Who punches through the sheetrock 
while you're peeing at the church. This crowd does. Like who's sitting there on a Sunday morning and they're like, I hated that sermon. Like it's literally a fist. That doesn't happen in the women's restroom. So I decided that needed to be fixed. How many of you know that I don't know how to fix anything? So if you go into the men's restroom right now and you go to the urinal, and ladies, I'd be glad to give you a tour later. I just simply put a wrestling poster over the hole. (laughs) Fixed. I get it. It's messy. It's ugly. It seems crazy. But I tell you, I've never been part of a group of people who genuinely love more than this group of people. And that's what I judge everything that we do on. Do we love? And I want to talk to you about that subject today. I want to talk to you because I want you to understand that if we could ever comprehend, if we would just shut up and love, everything else would fall into place. Everything else would work itself out because we live in a society today that's craving connection. The Bible says it was not good for man to be alone. You were created for connection. You were created for relationship. There's something inside of each and every one of us that desires simply to be loved. To be around a group of people that we know love us no matter what. That love us in the midst of our mess. That that love us in the midst of our divorce. That love us in the midst of our addictions. That love us in the midst of our financial chaos. That don't judge us. They just love us. Today we're going to hang out in Mark chapter 2. It's one of my favorite stories. I've preached on it 970 million times here at this church. But it just shows how powerful love is. Jesus had healed a guy, a guy named Matthew. He was a very sinful person. He was a tax collector. And he was kind of one of the outcasts of society. And after Jesus comes along, he has this interaction with Matthew. He says, hey, by the way, dude, I'm coming to your house today. Invite all your friends. Now, tax collector, sinner, normally would hang out with tax collectors and sinners. He wouldn't hang out with the people that the religious of the day would deem worthy to hang out with. But he says, get them all together, let's go get together and party. And as this happens, the religious leaders of the day, because anytime you hang around people that the religious don't think you ought to hang around, they'll come around and question you. So the religious people of the day, the Pharisees, they're highly offended that this guy who's teaching the scriptures is suddenly at a dinner date at a party with a bunch of those people. And they begin to question him. And they begin to say, well, what's he doing hanging out with sinners? And that's how they say it. You know what I heard about Action Church? My favorites, I heard they have a full bar on Sunday mornings. I'm like, I wish. Like, man, we'd have bloody marriage. We'd grow this place. If the city gave me an alcohol license, we'd do it. You know? I told you I've heard I'm the biggest drug dealer in town. I wish I'd have more money. And, like, if we were running a drug empire out of here, man, like, we'd have carpet. Like, the chairs would match, you know? It'd be awesome. 
religious people of the day are questioning Jesus and he looks at them and he responds in Matthew two, or Mark 2. He says, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call the sinners. I mean, I dig that portion of Scripture. The religious are dogging him. They're making fun of him. They're questioning him. And he just looks at them and says, why do you think I came? He said, the healthy don't need a doctor. He says, those that are in good health don't need to hang out in the hospital. He says, I've come after those that are broke, busted, and disgusted. What's he doing hanging out with those people? And Jesus is like, man, that's the people I came for. And can I just enlighten you on something real, real quick that irritates me? Let me see where I'm at my notes. I'm not used to carrying two things in my hand. Everybody is those people. Just because some of them hide it a little bit better, just because they don't parade their crazy on the front porch like our crowd would, they're those people. And normally those that are judging those people are struggling with what those people are struggling with times 10. That's why it irritates them so bad. This is such an emotional verse to me. When you recognize that Jesus did not come for the healthy, that God did not send his only son for those who have it all together, he sent his only son for those that are messy. That's powerful to me. Those that are screwed up, those that are, back that up. Those that the world deems are screwed up. Those that the world deems are confused. Those that the world deems are messed up. Jesus, God said, man, I'm sending my son for those people. It's not the healthy that need the doctor. I recently was driving down the road, and I saw a guy, and he was strung out. It was obvious he was strung out. I've been doing this gig long enough to know when someone's strung out. It looked like a walking skeleton. He had the shakes. He had the jaw going. He had the scabs on his face. He was picking at the scabs. And the police had him in a parking lot. So me being me, decided I would drive by, make sure it wasn't one of you. And it wasn't. But I will tell you something that kind of stopped me in my tracks for a moment. It wasn't one of you. But I'll be danged if he didn't have an Action Church t-shirt on. Back in the day, we used to have t-shirts. They were real classy shirts. They said everybody, everybody should start their week with some action. They were, they were real classy. And um, I see the guy in the Action shirt, but I don't recognize the guy. I vaguely remember him. So chances are he came here one or two times back in the early days, and he got a t-shirt. I, I don't really know the story. But instantly when I saw him in that T-shirt, I'm just going to be honest with you, and I'm not proud of this thought process here, I thought, man, well, we didn't do much good for that guy, did we? He's about to go to jail. And then instantly I thought to myself, well, man, that's one way to look at it. Or we can look at it a different way. As I looked at that guy in an Action Church T-shirt, as I'm watching now, they're putting him in handcuffs and they're putting him in the back of a police car. 
It reminded me that's why we started Action Church. Instead of seeing a guy who didn't get help, I saw a guy who probably has made some poor decisions in the last few years. But a few years ago, there was something that led him through these doors. He was impacted enough that he met people and he wanted a shirt. He's still wearing that shirt, and maybe it's the only shirt he has. And then I thought to myself, man, I'm not embarrassed that he's going to jail. I'm embarrassed that we lost connection with him over the last three or four years. Four of you get that. There was a time in his life he was drawn to what was right. But he was held back by what was wrong. He's why we started Action Church. He's why we will always keep the doors of Action Church open. I need you to understand something, especially if you're new here. And I don't mean this in a controversial way, though it will be controversial to some of you. Strung out dope heads and Action Church t-shirts going into jail take precedent over those who have it all together. The reality is we're all one bad decision away to being where he is in some way. Gary Lamb King of bad decisions. Jesus didn't come for those who had it all together. He came for the sick, the broken. He came for the sinners. When I see a guy like that, it lets me know that we were doing what we were supposed to do when we got him through the door. But it also reminded me we need to do a better job of loving and being there when they fall to the wayside. And I get it, man. You can't drag someone to church that doesn't want to come to church, and sometimes they got to go wander, and they got to wander off to a distant land, as we talked about in the prodigal son a few weeks ago, and they hope they come to their senses one day, and sometimes you got to leave them alone where they can come to their senses, but they need to know they can always come home. The problem is a lot of them don't feel like they can come home because some of you can't shut up enough in love. Shut up in love. I didn't grow up in a church that embraced shut up in love. I didn't really grow up in church. But when I got in church, I actually got involved in church that was the exact opposite of that. They would never admit that, but it was shut up in hate. I mean, they were against everything. Like, I remember a sermon. Listen, I'm, I'm not even lying to you. I remember a 45-minute sermon one time on the evils a blockbuster. Yep. I heard a 45-minute sermon one time. This was 20 years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Listen, this is how out of touch the preacher was. 45-minute sermon on the evils of the singing group, The Temptations. This was back in the 90s. That's how out of touch he was because they were evil. I've heard 45-minute sermons on the evils of women wearing pants. It was shut up in hate, not shut up in love. 
So it kind of gets me excited when you talk about being a, around a group of people who are united, not around politics, not around agreeing on everything, but are united around loving people right where they are. I'm thankful today for a group of people who loved me in the midst of my mess. When I was unlovable, they said, man, you stink, you smell bad, man, you have screwed up, but we love you, and we're going to get you back. And every one of you here today have been in that same boat. <laughs> when we started this church, I had no desire to start this church. I had a group of 13 people come, want me to start church. I said, I am done with church. I had imploded, didn't want anything to do with church, and they wouldn't shut up about it. I said, here's what we'll do. I said, if we move to the poorest part of town and we just love people, I'll do it. And those 13 people were like, that's awesome. And I'm probably going to offend someone here today. I don't know. I don't think any of those 13 people are still with us today. Oh, hello, my bad. Sorry. I told you I was going to offend somebody. One. <laughs> Two of them are still here. Ashley and Dan. Literally. It sounded good on paper until we met in the parking lot for six months because we couldn't get a CO for the building. It sounded really good on paper until literally people started coming to church with no shirt on and no shoes and strung out. And people started walking in the doors of the church that were in DT so bad because they hadn't had alcohol that day that we had to go over to the Chevron and say, hey, I'm taking a beer. I'll come back afternoon and pay for it when you can legally sell it. But I got to give this guy a beer where he can sit through the service. It sounded really good on paper to want to love everyone until you realize, man, you got to love everyone. <laughs> love reaches people. I love this story in Mark chapter 2, and we're going to get out of here quick. I'm hungry. The Bible says, a few days later, Jesus again entered Capernaum, and the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such a large number, and there was no room left, and even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So men came bringing him to paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and lowered the man on the mat down. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, the paralyzed man, sent, your sins are forgiven. So Jesus is preaching. House is slammed. Everywhere Jesus goes, the house is slammed. There's so many people. They're hanging outside the house. They're checking through the windows. And these guys say, man, our buddy can't walk. We got to get him to Jesus. They pick him up. They take him to Jesus. They can't get their buddy to Jesus because there's so many people. So these jokers, they must have been from Canton, Georgia. They're like, hold my beer. We're going to get on that roof. And while he's teaching, we're going to cut a hole in the roof. And we're going to drop him down. And they did it. And Jesus healed the man. That's love. That's the type of love that takes action. I've got a question for you today. If you were to be honest today and say, what is your love for people without Christ, where would you rate yourself? Tim would be like Billy Graham. So unless you're Billy Graham today in the crowd like the ghost of Billy, you ain't a 10. Okay? If you're in that 7 or 8 category and you've never led anybody to Jesus, you're lying to yourself. 
If you think you're in that seven or eight category and you've never brought anybody to church or invited them to church, you're lying to yourself because it's easy to say you love people. It's a whole different story to put it into action. So the question is, where are you? If we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, we got to have a group of people that seven or eight category. I ain't putting you in that 10 category. I ain't, talk, I ain't putting you in Billy category. But we got to get up there. We've got to want those who don't know Christ to come meet Christ. We've got to know that what we experience meeting Christ is what other people need experiencing Christ. <laughs> We've got to know that. Most of you are probably on that other end of the thing. It's not because you're bad people. You think you love them. It's easy to say you love them. So you got to do something about loving them. So what I want to do is I want to show you three big things. Like I said, we're getting out of here today. Three big thoughts that I think it takes to get up in that seven or eight category. The first thing we have to do is we have to see burdens and not see problems. We have to see burdens and not see problems. Do not tell me that you have a heart for those that are far from God if all you see is an addict. All you see is a junkie. All you see is a whore. All you see is a horrible kid. All you see is whatever label you want a drunk. If all you see is problems, you'll treat them like problems. So men came, bringing to him, him being Jesus, a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Now, I want you to notice about these four men. They had a buddy. He was paralyzed. They didn't go to their buddy. They said, hey, man, you ought to drag yourself over there since you can't walk to that Jesus dude. He might be able to help you. They didn't go to their buddy and say, hey, you need to figure out a way to get across town. Jesus is over there. They went to their buddy, and they said, hey, Jesus is across town. We know you're paralyzed. We know you can't walk. And we're going to do whatever we can to get you to him. They were burdened for their friend. <laughs> they were broken for their friend. This was not an acquaintance. This was someone they loved. Someone they wanted to see the best in. Someone they wanted to see thrive in life, and they knew he couldn't thrive in the condition that he was in. We like to do drive-by shootings on our friends. Hey, y'all come check out my church. Change stuff real quick. Hey, man, if you ever want to come to church, I'll be there. Now, we need to get our friends here. Some of you got some friends that are struggling with some things in their life, and this is the place that God would use to get them out of the muck and the mire. We need to quit going after people that we don't have relationships with because here, people want to know you care about them before they care what you know about them, okay? They don't care that Jesus is the answer when they don't, they don't think that you care about them to begin with. The greatest group of people you can impact for the cause of Christ is those in your network. You have your network, I have my network. You have relationships that I'll never have. But do you care enough about what they're going through to say, man, that sucks. 
Jesus is the answer. Man, hey, you ought to come to church. Man, I don't really know all about the Jesus thing, but listen, I want to get you to church where you can see it real and authentic and uncensored and raw. But we don't care enough. That's why when you preach a message like this, it's quiet. Because we know we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Myself included. It's easy to get involved in the tyranny of the urgent that we forget about that. What's stunning to me about this picture is as they come up to the house, <laughs> they can't get the person to Jesus because of all the people that are listening to Jesus. So many times we as Christians are the biggest stumbling block from people coming to Jesus. We've got our back turned to them. We care about our preferences. We care about what we want in a church. We care about what we need in a church that we're not worried about being part of a church that's reaching those that are far from God. We're called to see burdens. As long as you see problems, you're never going to have a heart for those that are far from God. We have to show them the love of God before they'll be open to receiving the love of God. So not only must we see burdens, but we must break the rules. This church ought to excel at this. You gotta break the rules sometimes. You gotta do what no one else is willing to do. You gotta get out of your comfort zone sometimes. You gotta get out of what the North American church has become. You've got to get out of what they say church should be. And you've got to do whatever it takes to reach those that no one else is reaching. <laughs> I imagine we got some rule breakers in this room. I mean, I imagine that this is a crowd of people who didn't wait 30 minutes after eating before they jumped in the swimming pool. I imagine we got some people here that didn't wear their seatbelt in the front seat of the car growing up. My mom was a seatbelt. <laughs> Rule breakers. I imagine we even got some people in this crowd that just because you're such rule breakers, you removed the tag on the side of the mattress that said do not remove just because you want to show who the boss was. I ran with scissors and lollipops in my mouth when I was a kid. And I lived. I sniffed more magic markers than you could imagine. You're like, that explains a lot. We're rule breakers. But yet when it comes to Jesus, we quit breaking the rules. When it comes to Jesus, we feel like we've got to conform not to what the Bible says about Jesus, but what the church says about Jesus. And what the church has done is they've come along and they've neutered who Jesus was. We've turned him in to a purple sash wearing, gets a perm every month, blue-eyed white guy who sits side saddle on a horse as he walks into town carrying a little sheep in his arms instead of the rebel who he was. It's funny today, what we call rebels to me are not rebels. Oh, he's out in the bar drinking and partying, right? such a rebel. He ain't a rebel. That's what everybody's doing. He's a conformist. 
The other day I saw a bunch of bikers coming down the road. Someone said, man, look at those rebels. What? They all looked identical to each other. Black chaps and black leather and black motorcycles, they were conformists. They're not rebels. Rebels go against the norm. Living for Jesus makes you a rebel in this day. Standing up against the religious makes you a rebel in this day. Shutting your mouth and loving people right where they are, that makes you a rebel in this day. You take these rule breakers, they give their lives to Christ, and the church tries to all of a sudden make them be people who fit into a box, and we wonder why after a while they burn out and want nothing to do with the church. You've got to break the rules sometimes. You've got to do what no one else is doing to reach those that no one else is reaching. And the number one thing you can do is not another program. It's not another ideology. It's not another method. It's just simply love people. It's not complicated. Someone called me recently and they said, I moved to the area. I want to hear about your church. I said, Austin, how can I help you? They said, will you guys do smaller groups? I said, no. I said, do you do a midweek service? I said, no. I said, do you do Sunday school? I said, no. Do you have a men's Bible study? I said, no. They said, do you do a women's Bible study? I said, no. They said, do you have children's choir? I said, no. And they went down the list. Do you do a one? I said, no. And the guy wouldn't get near. He was super nice. He said, well, can I ask you a question? He said, what do you guys do? I said, we just love people. And surprisingly, he said, man, that's a good answer. I'll see you soon. I was like, whoa. Caught lightning in a bottle for once. I was shocked. Got to break the rules. These jokers got to the house. The religious are all around hearing Jesus. Don't miss this. They're so busy listening to the teachings of Jesus that they're blocking the one trying to get to Jesus and who needs Jesus. Hello. And these jokers think, oh, we could do. Could just climb up on that roof. What are we going to do when we get up there? Got a shovel? No. Oh. Hey, break that beer bottle on that rock, and we can dig the roof out with the beer bottle and lower him right down in front of Jesus. And they're like, man, I think that'll work. And check this out. The religious are so busy getting their face stuffed, they don't even notice this is taking place. These jokers climb up on the roof, and they start digging through the roof. I mean, stuff's caving down on Jesus, and Jesus is teaching because that's what he does. All of a sudden, they're lowering him in front of Jesus. And Jesus looked down, and it says, because he saw their faith. Whose faith? The men's faith. The four men who broke the rules. He looked at the man and said, get up. And he healed the man. Holy smokes. Last week it happens every year, and I'm not mad about it. I get it. Someone stopped me and said, I love the Thanksgiving thing. I said, thank you. I don't understand why you got to call it Give Canton the Bird. I said, well, because it makes me laugh. But it just seems so inappropriate. I said, or it's funny. And it gets people talking. We could call it a Thanksgiving drive. But it makes me laugh when the mayor's at the grocery store saying, man, just gave Canton the bird. He's got a whole buggy full of stuff. It amuses me. I don't know why. 
going to break the rules. It's why our marketing, remember a couple of years ago when we sent that mailer out that had that 400, and I'm not, nothing against 400-pound women, so don't say the preacher's against 400-pound women, but it had a 400-pound woman in an Easter Bunny outfit, and they said, just wear whatever you want on Easter, just don't come naked. And people got all offended. And then we packed the place out with people who thought it was funny. And it was nice to be around people who knew how to laugh and have a sense of humor. It's amazing. It's why in the past we've done things like motorcycle rallies. We did a big bike ride. I think Rick did that for like four years. It was never a Christian motorcycle ride. It was just a motorcycle ride. You know what would be awesome is if we quit, uh, quit doing Christian events and just started ask Christians doing events. Say, so what's the difference? It's a huge difference. Someone asked me this week, and I'm not, I'm not picking this person. This person's probably my favorite person in the church. You say you got favorites? I do. This person said, we ought to do a trunk or treat next year. I said, why? For Christians to come to? You know what I'd rather do? I found out the city's going to do a, their own trick or treating on Main Street next year for the first time ever. And I'd rather go to the city and say, hey, how many volunteers do you need for that? We'd love to partner with you. Because I know you're suffering for volunteers, so what if our church just partnered with you and we provided all the labor you needed and all the candy you needed and we just run it for you? So guess what I did? I emailed the city <laughs> and already volunteered us. And they said, are you serious? Y'all would do that? And they were like, you know, you couldn't wear ink. I mean, you, you, you couldn't preach Jesus to them. I said, we, we don't want to preach Jesus to them. We just want them to realize, hey, man, church people are normal too. We like... We like dressing up like devils and slutty women too and give out candy. We get it. That's me that likes to dress up like a slutty woman. I'm just saying. Man. The other night I go hear Phil's band at the local bar. I hadn't been there three minutes. Now here this guy. That guy's a pastor. What's he doing here? Well, I was here while I was drinking bourbon, not beer. Came here to hear good music. And then you know what else happened that night? I had about four different people come up to me that night and be like, aren't you the pastor at Action Church? I said, well, yeah, I don't try to tell anybody. They said, you think I could meet with you one day during the week? I said, absolutely, man, here's my number. Surprisingly, all four of them called me. Two of them came to church last week. One of them's in church today. The other one said they're coming in the next couple of weeks. We're called to be light and salt, and it's hard to be light when you're not around darkness. You know what's amazing? I can go to the bar and have a couple of bourbons and not make a fool out of myself. You know what I mean? I'm glad some of you make fools out of yourself because you had my back because another guy in the bar grabbed a beer bottle and was going to bust me in the head. And I told Darren, Darren, Darwin, Darren, he's got too many names. Next I knew Darren had a beer bottle and was going to knock the guy out. I'm like, that's how we roll at Action Church. Knock him out in the name of Jesus. I just don't think we ought to do that. That's okay. It's okay, you don't got to think that. But we're going to break the rules. We're going to break the rules to reach those that no one else is reaching. And we're never going to apologize for that. And if it makes you uncomfortable, I understand. And we might not be the church for you, something a pastor's probably never told you before. I wish we were the church for everybody, but we might not be. 
And I want you to go to the church you feel called to and you feel the most comfortable to be around and you feel like you and your family can be active and serving. If this is not that church, that's okay. Find me after service and tell me what you're looking for and I'll help you find a church. But if you decide this is a church for you, you need to understand we are always going to break the rules because it's just more fun that way. Last of all, we just simply have to believe. We have to believe. I just touched on this. That's why I'm not going to touch on it much longer. When Jesus saw their faith, not the paralyzed man's faith, when he saw their faith, <laughs> he's looking down at the paralyzed man and said, Son, your sins are forgiven. Do you know that people will come to Jesus not always because of their faith? but because of our faith in them. Because of that mother's faith. I wonder how many sons have come to know Jesus because there was some praying mama who wouldn't give up. And every time that son was doing something stupid, hypothetically speaking, like Giver, hypothetically like Janice, who would just pray over him, and pray over them, and pray over them. And over time, he comes to Jesus. He's obviously got a call in his life, even though he's too stubborn to realize it. Not because of his faith, because of mama's faith. Praying, and praying, and grandma's faith, and the faith you have in your friends. We got to have the faith when they don't have the faith. The world's already told them they're nothing. They hang around people who are nothing. Therefore, they feel like they are nothing. So many people just simply need someone to believe in them and believe they can be what God intended for them to be. Sometimes you got to carry the faith for the other person. Some of you are in a marriage right now and you need to carry the faith for your spouse because you see no hope. They don't look like they're going to turn it around and they might not. But don't walk away until you can look yourself in the mirror and know that you know that you know you tried everything. And I'm not one of those people that don't believe there's not times to walk away, so let me make that very clear. You get one shot at this life. But sometimes it might be your faith. Don't give up on that kid. You might be the only faith that gets them to Jesus. There's a community of people out there, and they simply need to be loved. If nobody else loves them, as long as I'm the pastor here, I'm going to fight tooth and nail to make sure we love them. And if you decide after this thing you don't think that that's what you want to do, all of you get together and have a secret church meeting, let me know. I'm not going anywhere, but I'll tell you, you can leave, and I'll help you find a church where you can go to. I'm nice like that. Shut up and love. Because this community needs some people to simply love them.